This morning's theme, uh, following the themes that we've had, we've had from the garden to the grave, and then we had the garden, the cross, the garden, the curtain and the cross, and this morning our theme is from the grave to the garden. So we're following that theme through um, so that you can sort of end the story. The story only actually begins this morning. But our reading this morning is from Luke 24, verses 5 to 6. The women were terrified with their fa- and bowed with their faces to the ground. They're in mourning. Then the men asked, why are you looking around among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Pastor Rob Voigt is going to give the message this morning. Pastor Rob, would you welcome him, please? I am on. Yes, I am. Good morning. And it's lovely to be with you today to share with you this wonderful day of all days. The highlight of the whole Christian year is today. I... There's so many things I want to say. I think that God wants us to hear, but there's not enough time for that. But I wonder if you're like me and you identify with people. You know, there are some people that I can say, look, I'm not in your shoes, but I can really understand what you're going through. Or there are people I know that I look up to and I think, that's what I aspire to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. Well, today I have to tell you, I identify with Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah. When they sinned, they had no idea what they were doing, but it was, a, it was a seemingly innocent sin. Just eat a little bit of fruit. And then when they realised that they, things had changed and they realised they were ashamed, they were naked, they thought they had the solution. Where's the fig leaves? And then when God walked in the garden and wanted to speak with them, They thought the solution was easy. Let's hide. Oh, I'm good at that. Do it many, many times. Just try and hide. Maybe if I don't talk to God, he won't know me. I'll see I'm there. I'll kind of just slink into the background a little bit. But human beings have been doing this ever since. The whole point of what happened in the garden is what happens in our lives, even today, that we sin and then we think there's a solution. Not the one God made, but our own. So many times when I've done the wrong thing and I know I have, or times when I'm tempted and it's a very nice temptation and after all it's not a really bad one. I mean, it's not like it's going to hurt anybody. It's not like it's really going to make much difference to the world and its history or to me. And I do it. And my solution? Do I know someone with a fig tree? Just trying to cover stuff up. Just trying to hide it. Keep it out of the light. 
keep it away from other people, make sure they don't know what I do, and then it'll be all right. But it's not. And down through the ages, God gave rules about, and, and laws and, and guidelines about how to worship him and how to serve him and everything else. And what did people do? Well, if God said we should do this, let's double it. Let's do twice as much as he wants and he would be doubly pleased with us. Let's increase our worship. Let's make sure we do more worship. Let's make sure we sing louder. Make sure we pray harder. Make sure we tell everybody how good we are and what we do in church and what we do in our homes and how much we pray and how much we read the Bible and how much we do something else. And surely God will be pleased with us. And then eventually the fig leaves dry and we're left with nothing, aren't we? Well, I identify with the women who came to the tomb on Sunday morning. You know, women are immensely practical. The men, God bless them, are stuck behind closed doors, frightened out of their wits, not game enough to come out into the light but the women, immensely practical, know that on the Sabbath is over, so Sunday morning they have to come to the tomb and they have to anoint Jesus' body. They didn't embalm them the way they did in Egypt, but they did embalm them with spices and, and cloth to kind of stop the smell from being so bad because they weren't buried. They were simply put in the tomb. These women who came were the ones who were at the cross on Good Friday. Only John, the disciple, had been there. The rest had run away. I identify with the disciples who ran away. I'd like to think I could be like John at the cross, but I honestly feel that I identify with those blokes who ran and who were behind closed doors. But these women who came, I identify with them because my faith is not all fantastic and I got it all together and, and I know my Lord lives and everything else is fine and nothing can touch me and the devil can't get hold of me and I'm immune to sin and temptation. And No, I identify with these women because they came with no hope. They came expecting... Who's going to roll the tomb, the entrance from the tomb? Who's going to roll the rock away? They weren't expecting anything except a dead body. And when, if it comes up, there we are, when they discovered the empty tomb, they didn't think of anything except someone stolen the body. And so often in life, when I'm faced with tough things with mysteries that, that I've got no answer to. When there are theological questions that uh, a parson is supposed to have the answer to or, or good Christians are supposed to know the right answer and the right text to quote. And I'm ignorant. 
I don't know the answer. And I'm stuck and I'm simply saying, what's going on? After all, those women were there on Good Friday and they were the ones who said, he's dead. And you and I know that dead is dead. That's simply a fact of life. And so they came simply to perform a last service for their dead Lord. After all, this wasn't so strange. There had been hundreds of messiahs who had come before Jesus. There were heaps and heaps of people who came along and said, I'm the one that was chosen, I'm the messiah. And they gained a following and they all did pretty well for a little while and then eventually the Jews and the Romans killed them. Many were crucified. The disciples were killed or they ran away. That movement was over until the next Messiah. And then along comes Jesus. And he never ever says, hey, here I am, I'm the Messiah. Often he said, don't tell anyone. But he finished up the same way. So those women who came to the tomb had no thought of last Friday being good. That was the day that everything ended. That's all they knew. But they went and told the disciples and John and Peter went to the graveside. I love this painting. This is one of my favourite paintings of Easter because I identify with John and Peter. It's written by a guy called Eugene Bernand who painted this in the late 1800s and for years this painting hung in a very small railway station in Paris. Nobody paid any attention to it. But I think it's absolutely... I see on the left is John. They're both leaning forwards. They've heard the news. The women have told them. First they thought old wives' tales. Then they thought, we've got to go. And they're leaning forwards. They're, they're walking, but they're ready to run. They don't know... Is this possibly true or not? Could this possibly have happened? Is there any truth to all of this? You can see John, his hands are clasped. He's loved, he was the one the Lord loved. He's, it was just, is it possible? He was the only one there at the cross. He took in Jesus' mother, Mary, and he is simply filled with hope, and yet doesn't want his hope dashed. Peter, on the other hand, if I, can you, yes, you can see it much better than I can. He's got wrinkled brow. He is a bit worried. He has not seen his Lord since he betrayed him. And he's wondering if he's alive, hand on his heart, dear God, is it possible that this person is, that Jesus is alive? Is it possible that this is really happening? And if it is, what am I going to do when I see him? What am I going to say? What on earth will it be like? Because I denied him. And I've denied Jesus. Oh, time and time again. Sin, that every sin denies you. Every sin is saying, this, maybe it's not real. Maybe Jesus is not alive. Every time I doubt my forgiveness, that is saying, maybe Jesus really didn't rise from the dead. 
may be every single time I, I look to myself and say, I'm not good enough. Every time I look to myself and say, I am not enough. So every time I think, could God possibly forgive me? I am like these disciples. Did it really happen? Could it possibly be true? And every time we doubt God's forgiveness to us, we are looking for the dead among the living. You know, they... Angel said it the other way around, looking for the living among the dead. But every time we doubt God's forgiveness through Jesus, we are looking for the dead among the living because the whole issue is that our forgiveness is totally dependent on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This day, this celebration, everything hangs upon it. Every solitary thing hangs upon it. If this is not true, then on Friday, a really nice bloke died. Amen. If this is true, then we have a living saviour. So, that's, that's where Jesus was buried, by the way. Which I wanted to show you because, well, that's, they do think that's the official site. I wanted to show you that because that's what human beings are capable of doing when we forget what on earth it's all about. That's when we want to do more than God did. Jesus was put in a simple tomb with a garden nearby. That's what we do. God came as a simple, ordinary human being. We want to put halos around him. We want to have light streaming out everywhere as though he's, he's not one of us, as though he couldn't be, as though he's more like a Greek god or a Roman god or, or somebody with superhuman powers. And I can't do a Superman thing. <laughs> but it, it's, we always have to muck it up. We always have to make it more complicated than it is. And the bottom line is that that's more likely that's the kind of place where Jesus was buried. And that's when Mary had her experience close by with Jesus in the garden. She was the first to see him alive. She was the first to hear the victory of life over death. Now, you'll have to excuse me because I, I'm going to go straight over to this. Only because I can. And, and, and because ultimately, I want you to... Just because I'm going to quote Luther here, that's what a good Lutheran does, so... But partly it's because Luther said some things better than I've ever read anyone else read or say, or say or, or write. Luther said, whoever would preach the gospel must go directly to preaching the resurrection of Christ. He who does not preach the resurrection is no apostle, for this is the chief part of our faith. For where there is no resurrection, we would have neither comfort nor hope, and everything else Christ did and suffered 
would be in vain. Today is your victory. Today is the victory of all your loved ones who have gone before you. Today is my victory. Today I have, I don't know how many funerals I've taken, but the, the real rubber hits the road time in a funeral is always at the graveside. Today we, we like to be very sensitive and so we only lower the, gra- the, the coffin just a tiny way. But where possible, I always ask people, please let it go to the bottom. Because that's when it hits. This is the end of an earthly life. And now I've got no hope in anything else except Jesus Christ risen from the dead. There's no other hope. There's nothing else I can cling to. I either despair, I took a funeral once for a child and the father jumped in the grave. He just couldn't bear that there was no hope. There was no resurrection. There's no afterlife. There's nothing. But for you and for me, when we bury a loved one, it is in the sure hope of the resurrection to eternal life. As I am closer to, I'm a lot closer to dying than when I was born, let me tell you. Yeah. And, and the closer you get, the more you think about this. The more you ask, is it true? Do I believe this? Is this what I hang my whole life and my eternal life on? That this simple fact that, well, 1 Corinthians 15, I wish when I thought of it later, I should have, we should have read bits of that. Because it says, if your hope is in Christ, for For this life, if your hope is in Christ for this life only, you are of all people most to be pitied. If Christians only have a hope for this life, you are to be pitied. But he goes on, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of all who have fallen asleep. Today, we've gone from the garden to the curtain to the grave to the garden alongside of the tomb. And there we find that what God has done is he has tried to restore the garden, the original garden. But this time it won't happen here on earth, but it will happen in heaven. And he will bring us back into that perfect relationship with him all because Jesus Christ, my Lord, is risen today. Luther, oh, you, you want to read this with me? Hear this sin, death, devil and everything that assails me. You are missing the mark. I am not one of those who are afraid of you. My sin and death hung around Christ's neck on Good Friday, but on the day of Easter, they had completely disappeared. The victory he has bestowed on me, that is why I do not worry about you. 
Jesus said to Mary and Martha just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Robert? Thank you. Mike, Pete, Karen, Julie, your name. Do you believe this? Oh, I'm so pleased. There's such an enthusiastic yes. <laughs> That's really, really heartening. <laughs> I can see I got the message through all right. That was, did that well. So why do you look for the living among the dead? This is why we call it Good Friday. Because of Easter Sunday. Because today we remember Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He is risen. He is. Risen indeed. Yeah.